Hello and welcome to The Zip Files, a weekly technology news catch-up show. We're here to save your eyeballs from reading words. Instead, let us talk all of the most important tech news into your ears. I see that anxiety in your eyes, your unknowing guilt etched like a mask across your millennial visage. Fear not, young adventurer. Being up to date with tech news is an admirable mission, but something that has required too much of your 2020 vision and effort for far too long. Undo your glasses, lever out your contact lenses, and allow written news pieces to fade into obscurity. Pull yourself onto something comfortable, tuck up, and breathe. For the next 15 to 20 minutes, your eyes have no currency here. Save them for finding love and developing a nuclear family. Last week, we spoke about SpaceX blasting a car into space, cryptocurrencies facing impending regulation, and Uber settling with Waymo for a $245 million equity stake after allegedly stealing Waymonian trade secrets around self-driving car sensors. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about Britain's entry into the electric car race and why cybersecurity is becoming an increasingly geopolitical worry. In between, we'll pepper you with all of the important tech news that you'll need to sound relevant whilst queuing for your Sawyer flat white at Spitalfields Market. And so, without further chit-chat, here's what popped off in the world of tech this week. What's what's the weather like, Roz? Oh my god. Uh, partly, partly cloudy, actually mostly cloudy with a few sunny spells, probably ranging at about 9 to 10 degrees. Vacuum cleaners. Vacuum cleaners used to be dependent on dust bags. As the bag filled up, so the suction would be diminished. The relationship was destined to always be a mutually destructive one, an unedited love story. And then came James Dyson, pre-knighthood and full of imagination for how incumbent appliances could be re-engineered to make more sense. Fast forward a bunch of decades and Sir James sits on an £8 billion fortune carved from sucking up dust, drying wet things and blowing air around rooms. He took the deeply unsexy, sexed it up a bit and ran with it. Now for the first time, he wants to take something sexy and see if he can outrun it. (laughs) Clearly, he's lost his marbles. The electric car industry didn't used to be hot stuff. In fact, pre-Tesla, it was very much the niche intrigue of people who went for long walks in fields and ate plenty of fruit. Elon came along and made electric cars cool. Musk's Tesla jolted the incumbent car manufacturers who had been idling in the slow lane for years. Nowadays, pledges abound that cars will become more hybrid, more electric, even fully electric in the not-too-distant future. This is Dyson's ambition, to move from the stability and security of ingeniously manipulating air to the perilous and fraught arena of electric car production. Take yourself for a moment to Wiltshire, and you might stumble upon Dyson's repurposed RAF airfield. In September of last year, Dyson announced that his eponymous company, had been working on an electric car since 2015. Some 400 engineers were beavering away in the southwest of England. This was serious, he urged. Not some wild card idea he had pulled out of one of his vacuum cleaners, 
but an endeavour that his company had all the advantages necessary to pull off. Unlike the likes of Tesla, Dyson will have to do a lot less of the scrambling that is characteristic of Silicon Valley startups. They have years of experience operating a global supply chain and solid manufacturing operations, whilst also affording the freedom of not having to take VC money and its attached limitations. Many of the principles that allow Tesla to reach its position today are already baked into Dyson's process. Make as much of your product in-house as possible, outsourcing is unreliable, overpriced and time exhausting, and to truly innovate, you have to start from the ground up. Dyson have devoted £2 billion to this ambitious project, with half earmarked for battery development and half for the rest. Why so much for the battery? <laughs> wow. Because that's really where the most room can be found to create a sizable competitive advantage. Current battery tech is of the lithium-ion variety. It's the best we have. But it's got some significant drawbacks. Long charge times, short life cycles, expensive, and possessed with a penchant for spontaneous combustion. Think of Samsung's Fiery Note 7s, and you'll remember that lithium-ion isn't the kind of battery that you take home to meet your gran. It's pretty much agreed that we've done as much as we can with this kind of battery. The race is now on to develop what is called a solid-state battery. These will be smaller, have a higher capacity, be cheaper, safer, and last longer. This innovation in energy storage will revolutionise the electric car space and propel it into the affordable mainstream. Dyson. Dyson say they can do it, and they can do it first. So, where does this British company plan to manufacture these combustion engine killers? It's looking like Singapore or China will take the crown. It makes business sense, says Dyson, who has a large manufacturing presence in Singapore and sees his electric car as China's much-needed e-cigarette. But, as is often the case with electric cars, the price will be a buffer to widespread adoption. Dyson joked when asked about this that a more kindly number would be the deposit that someone would have to put down to reserve his electric offering. However, much like Tesla, Dyson's first model doesn't aim to change the world. In fact, less than 10,000 are likely to be produced. Its purpose? To identify the target customer base, route to market, and establish an efficient supply chain. In fact, this model won't even have the much-touted solid-state battery. In an effort to get to market by 2021, Dyson is willing to settle for lithium-ion. A shock, horror, and pretty disappointing. Ungrip your poor grand's arm, though, and rest assured that Dyson is developing two other electric cars that will be waiting in the wings to hum their way out once the small vanguard of V1 cars has established its beachhead. Dyson's goal is perilous and extremely ambitious, a gamble that could see his company propelled into the ranks of the tech elite or thrust into debtor's jail. Whilst they seem to have the expertise to produce on some of their promises, it is becoming increasingly apparent that the all-important solid-state battery is still a way off. Indeed, patents which were once held up as the map to battery brilliance were summarily disposed of by Dyson. And to add to that, the head of battery stuff, well, she left in the latter stages of last year. Nonetheless, their competition isn't close to a breakthrough either, and only Toyota have put a date on solid-state batteries being worked into their fleet. That date ends with 2025. So, if Dyson can do it before, then they have a good chance of capturing a meaningful chunk of the electric revolution. It remains to be seen 
whether the company who pride themselves on their ability to produce hot air do in fact possess the capacity for disruptive innovation in the competitive leagues. There will be much more fight here than they are used to. Coinbase are the world's most successful cryptocurrency exchange, and they are launching a PayPal-like service allowing vendors to easily accept crypto payments. Volatility might make the real-world applications a bit tricky. How much for that 25p Freddo, please, mister? What, that 9 penny Freddo? That'll be 17 pence, please. <laughs> oh, God. The Amazon Death Star focused its gaze on the delivery and healthcare sectors this week, sending share prices in both tumbling. The company, which started out selling books, is now creating its own delivery service. Shipping with Amazon will compete with UPS and FedEx. In a display of Valentine's Week exuberance, Amazon has also started selling medical supplies to hospitals. You'd hope that the people placed in command of nuclear resources were even keel. You know, the kind of people that drink herbal tea and talk about salad. Oh, can you pass me, can you pass me the lettuce? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but in 2018, hope is a fruitless pastime. Russian nuclear scientists tried to use their supercomputer to mine cryptocurrency. They were arrested. <laughs> Apple exported more watches than the entire Swiss industry in the holiday period. News that will warm Warren Buffett's heart, whose investment company, Berkshire Hathaway, loaded up on Apple stock in the latter stages of 2017. Apple is now the firm's most valuable holding. Hackers hack again, this time taking control of government-linked websites in the UK to mine cryptocurrencies. This form of crypto hijacking is becoming more and more popular. In other hacky crypto news, Coincheck, a crypto exchange that suffered a $500 million hack, has re-enabled withdrawals. To the surprise of only the permanently surprised, everyone is withdrawing. As our species have developed, we have warred at greater and greater distances. There was once a day when rocks were considered long-range. Then came arrows, then guns, then missiles, and now cyber weapons. Our planet is no longer big enough to defuse dispute. The Doomsday Clock, a measurement initiated by a subset of the Manhattan Project's atomic scientists in 1947, in order to indicate the proximity to self-imposed destruction, reads two minutes to midnight in 2018, the closest we've been since World War II to meeting the end of times. Whilst dangerous rhetoric around nuclear weapons has prompted a renewed physical arms race, the dangers of international discord 
now lurk in cyberspace as well. This week, the UK and then US governments publicly blamed Russia for the most damaging cyber attack yet seen. An indiscriminate and uncontained virus was deployed by Russian hackers to Ukrainian accounting software. The intention to massively and irreparably destabilize the country, presumably by giving their accountants something interesting to speak about. The infection, known as NotPetya in reference to its similarities to the Petya ransomware, jumped from computer to computer over local area networks. Technicians at Chernobyl had to switch to manual radiation controls when their systems became encrypted. Maersk, the shipping giant, lost $300 million when they got caught up. The virus spread across Europe, Asia and the Americas, costing an estimated $1.2 billion. This wasn't the only cyber attack mentioned in this week's news cycle. The opening ceremony of the Winter Olympics in South Korea suffered a blow despite being on high alert. The digital assault targeted the Olympic Organizing Committee and incorporated code that grounded the broadcaster's drones, shut down the official website, took out the internet and telecasts, and prevented spectators from printing out tickets. The attacker had no intention of leaving the machines usable, found Cisco's Talos Threat Intelligence Division. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty good name. The purpose of this malware is to perform destruction of the host. However, even though the hackers clearly had the ability to destroy the infected computers, they stopped short and left the possibility for responders to fix the damage. Was it St. Valentine's lover's touch that engendered their mercy? Nah, <laughs> it was almost certainly political, a display of might, like when you pull your foot back to kick a rock, but then feign the follow-through. The rock trembles, knowing what you could have done. The digital breadcrumbs seemed to incriminate Fancy Bear, the Russian hacking syndicate thought to be at the beckoning call of Moscow, and whose name probably sounds much, much cooler in Russian. Cyber warfare does not just target the vulnerabilities of code, but the vulnerabilities of human beings too. During the US presidential elections, Russian bots took to social media to stir disquiet and promote radical views. After the terrible school shooting in Florida this week, the bots were back, this time to promote pro-gun sentiment. While social media companies are coming under increasing levels of flack for their inability to stop this kind of manipulation from occurring, it is important to note that their shortcomings are more public than most. Greater vulnerabilities inevitably lurk in software across industries, governing bodies and the world. International cyber conflict is a well-hidden one and in all likelihood takes the shape of a titanic sinking block of ice. Last year, NATO decided that a cyber attack could trigger Article 5, the invocation of which impels a united response should a member country come under attack. Before this can happen, though, we'll have to get a lot better at identifying the origins of hacks, something which is increasingly difficult in the near-anonymous space of cyber warfare. Until then, sparse evidence seems sufficient to accuse foreign governments of digital aggression. Whilst not watertight, the only real solution is to increase our cyber defences. This week, US defence contractor General Dynamics announced their $9.6 billion acquisition of CSRA, a cybersecurity giant. 
And then the heads of the FBI, CIA and NSA all warned that American citizens shouldn't use the services made by Chinese tech giants Huawei and ZTE. Rather scarily, it feels like we are being told to wrap tinfoil around our heads, wear rubber boots and live in an oak tree. (laughs) Honestly though, that might be the best solution. Silicon Valley entrepreneurs are increasingly buying up property in New Zealand in preparation for the doomsday clock to strike midnight. Install your antivirus, throw away your computer, eat your SIM card and order your wellies whilst you still can. YouTube CEO dropped some pretty strong pars when asked about Facebook's ambitions in video. Get back to your baby pictures, she said. Unfortunately for YouTube, the CMO of Unilever had some deeper pars up his sleeve, threatening this week that they would pull ads from YouTube if they didn't sort out their content. Online platforms are sometimes little better than a swamp, he said. SpaceX got the support of the chairman of the Federal Communications Commission, Ajit Pai, for their plans to install some 11,000 satellites in low Earth orbit and beam down global broadband. In other Ajit Pai news, he's under investigation for his role in the toppling of net neutrality. Supposedly, one of his mates got a juicy business deal off the back of it. The runaway blockchain game of last year, CryptoKitties, Yep, CryptoKitties, that is the name, has launched an iOS app in China. The game, which focuses around breeding digital cats, some of which fetch hundreds of thousands of dollars, is either strong evidence that we are in a bubble or that our cat overlords will soon come down from Saturn and feed us all litter. Waymo, Google's self-driving car division, got the go-ahead to set loose their fleet of driverless cars. Take a trip to Phoenix, Arizona later this year, download the app, and hail a futuristic podcar that will navigate you around for a price that is likely to undercut Uber and Lyft. Don't expect much conversation, though. Robotics has been cool this week. Boston Dynamics released a video of a dog-robot thing opening a door with its mechanical head arm thing and holding it open for his other robo-doggo mate. In South Korea, robots competed in the world's first skiing competition, taking turns to navigate their way through a slalom. All entrants were required to measure more than 50 centimetres in height, stand on two legs, have joints resembling elbows and knees, an independent power system, and use skis and poles. If I stick some batteries in my ears, I might be eligible for next year's competition. Alright guys, you can open your eyes again, you know, reattach your glasses, lever back in your contact lenses and go walking about searching for that nuclear family that you so deserve. Safe, safe in the knowledge that you know what is going on in the techie world. Alright, until next Sunday, have a great week. Big up. Alright, cheers Rosa. Alright, I hope this doesn't get out of this. I hope no one hears this aside from me and you. Oh, yeah, and Elon, of course. Oh, yeah.
Of course, of course. Yeah. He's in the <laughs> he's my place on the fade at the moment, actually. Awfully quiet. You're right, you're right, Rosa. <laughs> <laughs> he's not Australian, I saw. <laughs> he's American. He's, he's got a cold. Um, all, right. all right. I hope that was useful. Thank you.